Welcome to Death Holler. Do you like scary movies? Welcome to Season 3. Slash or pass. There will be laughter. <laughs> tears. <laughs> tender moments. Jeez. Jeez. My special, special boy. But most of all, screams. Remember, when you're in Death Hauler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you have a killer time. to a very sleep-deprived death holler. I'm your host and resident insomniac, the Reverend Dr. Death. Joining me as always is my co-host, the Latina Nightmare, La Urena. Uh, have your dreams been lately, Urena? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking wicked for the most part. But no Freddy Krueger nightmares, I can assure that. So, Yeah, I, I, I didn't have any from like watching these films, which we'll get into in a little bit, but I remember as a kid, you know, like definitely having, you know, like, I mean, cause you always do like, especially when you're that age, like oh, 10, yeah. 11 years old and you know, you're having nightmares all the time anyways, just because of hormonal changes, but it makes it even worse when you're watching these types of films. We were, but we children when, well, God, we were literally babies when the first one came out. Um, mm-hmm. wondering if the parents watched it, but we did eventually watch these. And yes, I had the nightmares of running kind of stuck in place. I had, I had nightmares of hearing the children singing, uh, or being on a, you know, dark, empty playground, knowing something sinister was out there. So yes, I have had Freddy nightmares. Um, and looking back on it now, awesome, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, before Wes Craven single-handedly reinvigorated the horror genre in the mid-90s, uh, he hit it big with a slasher film that would define an entire production studio in the mid-80s, uh, New Line Cinema. Uh, commonly referred to as the house that Freddie built, it was the overwhelming success of Nightmare on Elm Street that led to Wes Craven being known as the modern horror master that he is or was, and eventually paved the way for us to have a little heard-of trilogy called Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I mean, it really was. Yeah. New Line was the one that, that fronted the bill for that, and they wouldn't even have been a studio if it hadn't been for Nightmare. So um, today, in the first of several podcasts dedicated to Mr. Fred Krueger, we will be discussing Nightmare on Elm Street, parts one through three, and giving out our Death Holler Awards for each film. So kick up your feet, pop some no-dos, brew a pot of coffee, and for the love of all this holy, do not fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. <laughs> 
But first, if you're enjoying the podcast, we appreciate it. If you would take the time to like, comment, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer, it helps us get more visibility on podcast listings and helps us grow. Also, consider following us on social media. You can find us on TikTok and Twitter under Death Holler Pod, and we can be found on Instagram and Facebook under Death Holler Podcast. We appreciate everyone who listens and hope you enjoy the show. First up, the OG, Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984. Tagline, if Nancy doesn't wake up screaming, she won't wake up at all. Ooh, pretty good. That's a a pretty good tagline. Yeah. Uh, Directed by Wes Craven, written by Wes Craven. Uh, Music by Charles Bernstein, who is the GOAT. Like, the music in The First Nightmare is the best outside of Halloween that, that the that horror genre has to offer legit. Like you go back and you listen to that, just, you know, the one, two, Freddie's coming for you. And then just the, like the little incidental anchor, you know, uh, instrumentals that they have throughout. The, it's very creepy, very good stuff. He also unintentionally composed our, uh, disclaimer. Um, <laughs> please don't come after me. <laughs> made for a budget of 1.8 million. It made 57 million. Oh yeah. I saw that. I saw that. I almost died. Literally, I was like, what the, f- you can't not continue the series after that kind of success. No, and 1.8 million is almost a micro budget. Yeah. Even back then, I mean, you're talking about, you know, films like the, <clears throat> I mean, I know that the the Friday, you know, films we discussed were like, you know, in the two, three million range. But I mean, you start going under that and you start getting into like shot on video style, you know, like yeah. a budget. So the fact that this movie is holds up as well as it does, I mean, there's some jank in some of the stuff, but I mean, God, for that budget, they really stretched that budget. In this oh, movie. yeah, and you got to admit, like, Freddy Krueger, I know he gets better every film. The look of him gets better every film, but it didn't start looking terrible, in my opinion. No, not at all. Um, I have a comment about that later, but, yeah, it's um, it starts out pretty good, actually. I mean... There's actually some argument that it gets bad around part six because yeah. <laughs> the fact that they started, you know, and I don't blame him, you know, I mean, this is probably jumping on a little bit, but, you know, uh, Robert England got tired of having to sit in the makeup chair for as long as he did for oh, the, yeah. the, you know, appliances. So they just started, you know, making a full on rubber mask and you can start telling later yeah. on that it's not as good. Uh, principal players, we have Heather Langenkamp playing Nancy Thompson, uh, the final girl. Uh, and she is one of the final girls that defines the role. Like, you know, there's a reason, like, you know, if you, when, once you watch Scream 6, you know, go back and watch our review of it. But there's a line in that movie, not spoiling anything, where they talk about franchises. And then uh, one of the characters' name, you know, uh, calls like other famous final girls and Nancy is one of them that they oh, yeah. name drop. And there's a reason for that. She stands up there with Laurie Strode with Sally Hardesty. She's, she's big time in the, in, in the horror genre. Yes. Um, she was recently in the midnight club uh, that was on Netflix. Uh, she was also in a short called cotton mouth. Uh, I didn't realize this, but she was actually a regular on the, the sitcom in the late eighties, just the 10 of us. Like, she was on a lot of those episodes, like a ton of them. Um, And not the only Nightmare alum that's in that series. We'll get to that eventually, too. Um, And then, of course, she was in the Fat Boys video, Are You Ready for Freddy? (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, big mistake if you don't have her. She was, 
She's a fine final girl. Um, and she was quintessential 80s, babe. Yes. Especially in, I mean, as we get into the, up, not upper films, but later on. When we get to Dream Warriors, she's Ooh. flat out gorgeous. Oh, yes. Like, beautiful. Um, she's a little bit, of the, and this is, you know, going ahead a little bit on the, you know, discussion. She's a little bit flat in the first movie. And I know she gets, you know, there's a lot of, you know, people that brings that up, but she does a pretty good job and she drastically improves. Like when Mm -hmm. she comes back later in the series. Well, she was brand new. Well, I wouldn't say brand new, but she was like fairly new. She's younger. You know, I don't know what role she had prior. I'm sure we'll discuss probably, but I mean, come on, you know, and they probably yeah, didn't I, think this movie was going anywhere potentially. And and, and she and, and she did a, a you know a serviceable enough job when it comes to the acting in the film. It's not it's not terrible. It's just like you know and and I would argue that there's somebody worse in the film as far as the acting. But we'll get to that in a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, of course, Robert England, Freddy Krueger, Nightmare Demon, slasher. And this is for contention. Uh, he was originally supposed to be a pedophile. Uh, they nixed that, thinking, okay, we probably don't want to go this route. So they just made him a child murderer, which isn't much better, honestly. Yeah, but... I think it is. <laughs> but uh, they did come back in the remake and, and go with the original that he was a pedophile. So there's, you know, ah. there's that whole thing. Look, at, here's the thing. I'll qualify why I think it's better that he's just a child murderer because um, you can potentially forgive that depending on who you are as a person. I mean, I probably won't, but whatever. Um, but someone who who did something horrible and then murdered your child yeah, that that's is even worse yeah 10 times worse so um and not only that but i was wa- when i was watching these movies <clears throat> and i wasn't scared at all and <laughs> because <laughs> unfortunately yet fortunately freddy krueger is a likable character yeah, that's that's the that's the the thing that makes it better that they changed his backstory slightly because yeah. He he is especially the farther you get along in the series, like it. it he's got a charisma, a weird charisma to him, and it's and you're like, yes. I don't want to root for this guy. Yes, but, like, you but know. I'm rooting for this guy. And I was thinking that lesson. I was like, okay, fucking. When I was a kid, Freddy Krueger was horrific to me. Like I didn't even want to see posters of him. I didn't want to see anything. And now he's everywhere, which is could be somebody's nightmare depending on you know whatnot. But like, my kids love him. It's, like, one of my daughter's favorite characters. Uh, my son obviously prefers Jason, whatever. It's, they're everywhere. And it's like, okay, well, it's a good thing they did make him somewhat charismatic. Yeah, and, and he is probably the only slasher. Well, him and Chucky are the <laughs> only two that really stand. I mean, we'll get into Candyman, too. He's on he's on that spectrum, but it's between it's between Chucky and, and Freddy as far as the two that, like, stand out as far as the personality because you got Jason who just, you know, him and, and Michael, they're just the silent stalkers. Like, they really don't, you know, uh, engage at all but with their, you know, with their prey. But, like, you know, Rob, Freddy in particular, and that, that also feeds into the whole thing about I don't know that they truly ever took out the pedophile portion to him because – he gets very creepily sexual with some of these, like, you know, quote, high schoolers in some of these movies. I mean, so, look at some of them are hot. Well, that's true. And they were also 20-something when they were yeah. playing it. So, I mean, that's, you know. <laughs> it makes it okay, folks. 
of course, Robert England is horror alum. He's been in all kinds of things. Uh, he recently was in Stranger Things season four, playing a very interesting role given his mm-hmm. Freddy history. Yes, basically, he was playing Freddy Krueger. Yeah, uh, he was in the Goldbergs playing Freddy. Oh my at, um, god! One of their recent episodes in the last the last two or three years. How fucking lucky! <laughs> you got the Freddy Krueger. Yeah, uh, he was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as the Dire Beaver, who is a beaver who causes nightmares, which is hilarious. Wait, um, the original one or the newer one? The new one, yeah. Okay, the, new one that the came newer out. one. I had told you about that before. I kind of liked it. I'm not even upset. They had a lot of fucking like A-list actors voicing characters on that. We are not, however, talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem that's coming out from Seth Rogen in theaters here soon. That looks like a woke piece of trash. And oh, I think boy. it's funny that they, they, they race swapped April, which, you know, they, they you always got to get rid of the redhead. And, yes. You know, but um, they also made her overweight. And, I, and you <laughs> know, a lot of people are saying it's one thing to race swap her, but at least make her attractive like she used to be. And, uh, you know, and, and, and they, they made her heavy set for diversity, you know, f- but fat, you know, and then, so now she's got the nickname April O'Meal. <gasps> oh no. <laughs> and not only that, but okay. If they race swapped her, wouldn't you want your, oh, I guess it's messed up to say that a big woman can't be like, did they make her thick or did they make her overweight? Uh, she's dumpy. Like Ugh. she's not like curvy. She's dumpy. Like and- if you imagine one of those bodies where it's like they the fat just rounds, you know, like the farther they get down onto the body, and then they got like chicken legs. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of they. Any race her. or nationality can be overweight. Okay, you can get representation no matter what. But generally, generally, and this is a compliment, and take it for what how you feel. Maybe you don't think it is, but generally. African-American women can be thick and not be dumpy. They could have done that. And that would have been a whole different story. Yeah, it would have it would have made the, the situation different, you know. And then there's people like on the other side, you know, trying to comment. Well, uh, you know, you're. I mean, going back to the pedophile thing, you, you know, like it's, you know, why are you talking about this? She's supposed to be, you know, a, a younger teenage girl or something. And I'm like, why did they make that change? Yeah, April was older than turtles that was the whole thing like yeah. she was the hot older lady that they you know always <laughs> fantasized about uh it's so true <laughs> yeah but what anyways. a weird dynamic we were into uh what is that called bestiality at very young ages here <laughs> yeah there well there's actually a um it's funny there's a like a, a picture, like a still from like the the car, the eighties cartoon where Michelangelo oh, basically yeah. has his hand on April's breast, and it's it's and he's kind of glancing down. It's, yeah, you know, they knew what they were doing. Oh my god! <laughs> well, uh, but getting back to Robert England, uh, he was also in the Lake Placid TV movies. He was in Strippers versus Werewolves. He was in Supernatural. I believe he played another character that messed with dreams in that. Uh, he was in Zombie Strippers. A lot of strippers thing themes going on. <laughs> uh, Jack Brooks Monster Slayer, the Hatchet film, which was opposite Hang, you know, or 
Kane Hodder, which, you know, who go on with the later uh, Jason. So that was kind of interesting getting the two of them on the screen together before they were, I think that was before Freddy versus Jason. And then um, it's kind of funny. He was in a movie called As a Bad Dream, which has nothing to do with any horror stuff. It's a drama about war traumas, but it's just hilarious that they got him, of all people, to play in a movie called that. Uh, D. Snyder's Strangeland. Uh, in The Simpsons, he played Freddy. <laughs> uh, he was an urban legend, which we'll be covering at some point this season. Uh, Strangeland. Uh, I, well, I think I just copied that again. The Mangler, uh, which is a pretty interesting uh, st- Stephen King movie about a laundromat that, or you know, that has a washing machine that can kill you, which is weird. I, or the guy might actually kill people with the washing machine. I don't really know. I've never really paid attention to that movie. It's kind of on the odd. The cleanest death you've ever seen. <laughs> the cleanest death, yeah. Uh, but um, <laughs> um, Dance Macabre, which is, uh, I heard he dances in that one. Like it's a horror film, but there's like actual dancing in it. It's weird. Uh, and Phantom of the Opera, the 89 version, and he played an arsonist on Night Court, which I find hilarious because <laughs> Freddie and his history with burning, you know, oh. and he plays an arsonist. And, of course, we've already mentioned that he was in eating Toby uh, Hooper's Eating Alive, where he played Buck, who just liked the fuck. So there's that. Uh. Uh, which isn't too different from Freddie either, strangely. Uh Amanda Weiss uh, plays Tina Gray, uh, Nancy's friend, and the first to see Freddy in the franchise. Uh, she was in a movie called Big Legend, which I believe was about a Sasquatch. Uh, the Hatred, uh, she was in an episode of Charmed, and she was in the big 80s uh, Western Silverado. Had a lot of big-name actors at the time in that one. Um, Jesus Garcia, uh, a.k.a. Nick Corey, he, he went by a different name back in the day whenever he was actually an actor. I guess they didn't, if you didn't want to be uh, a Latino or at least have that name, if you were, you wouldn't have more of a white name if you were being cast back in the 80s. Um, plays Rod Lane, <laughs> Tina's on again, off again boy toy. Um, he was in We Were Soldiers, Devil in the Flesh 2, and then Candyman, Day of the Dead. <laughs> Uh, Johnny Depp, don't know who that guy Never is. Never heard of him. Um, plays Glenn Lance, uh, Nancy's boyfriend. Um, and this is actually the introduction of Johnny Depp. This is his first film, I believe. Wow. <laughs> what a way to get introduced to yeah. the Yeah. Um, heavy, heavy Billy Loomis uh, vibe. Oh, yes. From, from this character. Uh, you clearly see the through line between the two of them. Yes. Uh, Ronnie Blakely plays Marge Thompson, Nancy's mom, who always perpetually in this movie looks like she's down the fuck. I don't know, like, I, I looked her, like, IMDb up because, like, she has this look on her face. Like, she, getting back to what I was saying earlier, she's the worst actress in this movie. Like, I, she hardly ever has the concern on her face yeah. like, for what her daughter. But then she perpetually looks like she's horny. So I don't know, like, you know, I thought that they might have cast, like, a uh, porn actress or something to play this part. But no, like, she was a soap opera type stuff. But, like, you know. Um, Which, it seems, that seems to be a running occurrence of these moms that don't care about their daughters in this, at least in 
two out of three of the films we watched. Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. And, well, uh, actually, no, there's out of three films because the dad doesn't care in part two. Oh, that's true. Well, I was going with the mom theme, which is yeah, weird. well, but it's all guys in part two. We'll get yeah. to that. <laughs> uh, yes, we will. Um, and in part three, sh- that mom was DTF for sure. We'll get to that. Oh, yes, she definitely was. But am I wrong in that? Like, I mean, every time Ronnie Blakely's on screen in this movie, she's made, she's like just got whore makeup applied like to the nines. <laughs> like, she looks like she's getting ready to go out and, and get her a, a man for the night. Like, she, and, and, and she's like, oh, Nancy, you're, you know, like she, she looks like, I mean, and I know in the movie they, they play up the fact that she's been drinking and stuff, but she doesn't look drunk. She looks stoned or, or yeah. like on some kind of medication, like through most of the film. Kind of like Finn Wolfhard's mom in Stranger Things, too. Uh, yes. Um, Hot. although. Uh, that lady got really fine in the, what was it, the third season of that when Billy was in there? Yeah. No, yeah. no that's what I meant. I meant uh, that season. So I thought it was the second one for some reason. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, Ronnie Blakely, definitely the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the acting in this film. Um, but one of the highlights is John Saxon playing uh, Lieutenant Thompson, uh, Nancy's dad and the investigator of the film. Um, he. He acts what he doesn't have a lot of scenes in this film, but he acts his ass off in it. Yes, uh, he's one of the highlights actually. And then uh, we have Lynn Shay for one of the first times that I can recall being in this movie, playing the teacher in the film. And I only bring it up because uh, Robert Shay was the head of New Line, so you know Lynn Shay being his wife, you know that's. Uh, Maybe why she became, you know, part of the movies. Uh, and then she ended up becoming a horror icon after that because she was uh, for sure in all, a lot of the um, uh, Insidious movies that have been recently released. Oh, yeah. She plays the psychic in those films. Yes. For any, a synopsis for this film. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. Five, six, grab a crucifix. Seven, eight, going to stay up late. Nine, ten, never sleep again. And that's all the synopsis you need for this yeah. film. <laughs> all you need to know. It keeps the bad uh, guy away. But yeah, I mean, it. The, everybody knows the story now. It's a child killer uh, gets murdered by the police on Elm Street, who's because their kids have been killed by him. They get the because they they kill him because and, and burn him alive because uh, due to uh, I think they reveal later or maybe even in this film they reveal something about there was a. Uh, the search warrant wasn't filled out properly. Some little technicality. He he was not. He, they couldn't arrest him, and so he got off scot free. Uh, parents took it upon themselves to get justice. They kill him, but um, and then they kind of retcon some things later on and say he made a pact with nightmare demons and all this other stuff. But in this film, he's basically just a vengeful ghost who's coming yeah. back to further his work on taking the children from the people who killed him. Um, and that, that's basically, and then he, he works in the nightmare because that's the one place that you can't protect your child is in their dreams. Makes sense. And then it makes sense for insidious too. Why they kind of chose that. That's true. They, they went kind of a similar route in that one. Uh, body count in this one is surprisingly low. Only four people counted. Um, 25 or non-counted. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Uh, we have Tina Gray slashed across the chest with finger knives. Uh, but does it sound very interesting? But the fact that she's rolling around on the ceiling while this is yes. happening 
that's the interesting part. Rod Lane is hanged uh, with a bed sheet in a jail cell. Uh, Glenn Lance is pulled into his bed and then turned into a blood geyser. It's beautiful. Probably the best death yes. we'll ever get in any of these movies, period, or like any slasher, because it's just so out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Marge Thompson burned to death and then descended into the abyss, just floats into the bed and she's gone. <laughs> Uh, and then the non-counted deaths are 20 Elm Street kids that were killed by Freddy when he was actually alive, according to Marge. And then Freddy Krueger himself burned to death by the angry mob, but of course, you know, that didn't take him out. Yeah. Wasn't he, like, kind of, well, I, I wouldn't say so much fake killed, but put in his place at the end? I guess that's not really considered a death, though. Uh, no, uh, we'll get to that in part okay. three. Yeah, he's never officially received a death until part three, and of course, that didn't take because they yeah. made other movies. Spoiler alert, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> the alt taglines, she is the only one who can stop it. If she fails, no one survives. Ooh, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> it's It's a little too much pressure for a teenager. Yeah. Uh, the kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them in their dreams. <laughs> Sorry to any kids in the 80s that actually lived on an Elm Street. <clears throat> Which is almost every eight has an Elm Street. So that, you know, that's uh, that's why it's popular. Yes. Um, of course, one, two, Freddy's coming for you is a tagline. Oh, yeah. From suspense master Wes Craven, the director of Hills Have Eyes and The Last House on the Left, comes a new film of fantasy terror. This one's the worst. Watch this! Exclamation mark. Ooh! <laughs> I don't know what to think about this one. It's got all kinds of weird vibes. You won't be sleeping alone. Oh, thank God, because I hate that. <laughs> There's something out there. Dot dot dot. Okay. Okay. Don't fall asleep. I mean, exclamation mark. A little more sinister there. <laughs> It's even more sinister when Yoda says it, though, in the uh, Seagulls video. Oh, we'll my God. That, folks. Uh, welcome to your nightmare. I mean, Alice Cooper made a song about it. No, it was Welcome to My Nightmare. Never mind. Yeah, but I, it's, yeah, I don't know which came first, but that's what yeah. I thought it was instantly was the Alice Cooper. Midnight. Baseball bats and boogeyman. I don't even know what that means. I don't, that was like random words that people slapped together. I'm glad that, I mean, they had... The tagline that I mentioned first, like, you know, is the best that you're ever going to get. I don't, the rest of these are just shit. Um, um, midnight baseball uh, baseball bats and boogeymen is how you get a goth girl to go on a date. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a real good time. Uh, come to Freddy. That's better than come for Freddy. But... Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What's in a dream anyway? Fucking Question blow me. <laughs> Dream a little nightmare of me. <laughs> Not going to lie. I kind of like that one. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Meet the glove. No. It, we, ew, that's weird. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like <clears throat> something from a nightmare. Okay, kind of generic. It works, I guess. The first word in terror from the director of Scream. I, that one had to yeah. be applied later because yeah. he was like, you know, whatever. That I don't even understand. Sleep kills. Just sleep kills. It can. It's, uh, uh, some people have died in their sleep, so it's not a lie. It's facts. Yeah. A scream that wakes you up might be your own. Now, that's not bad. Yeah. 
whatever you do, don't fall asleep or you'll meet the terrifying Freddy. Mm, it went a little too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quotes from Nancy Thompson looking in the mirror. Oh, God, I look 20 years old. You know what, Nancy? Fuck you. <laughs> I'll get to why that's funny in the trivia, but like, <clears throat> you know, but I, I saw when I was watching the movie, I was like, fuck you. Wait till yeah. you're 40 and then say shit like that, you know? People tell us we look 40 or 20 now or in our 20s or even in our 30s. We're like, thank you, you <laughs> sweet young you. child. <laughs> Sweet summer child. Um, Marge Thompson, Nancy. And then Nancy, of course, what mother? Uh, Marge, don't fall asleep in there. You could drown, you know. And then Nancy, oh, for Pete's sake. And then Marge, it happens all the time. I've heated up some warm milk for you, honey. And Nancy Thompson, warm milk, gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one of the scenes where Mar like I reason I put this in here was like that is the worst acting that Mar that the actress who plays Ronnie who plays Marge does in the whole entire movie like it is so cheesy and over the top for like what's been happening to to Nancy it's like I've made some milk for you, warm milk for you I'm like ugh it remind for some reason it reminds me of that of that scene in Peggy Sue I don't think it's Peggy Sue gets married but it's like. You know what a penis is, right, Peggy Sue? Stay away from them. That actress had a better scene than fucking Marge in this scene, okay? <laughs> that, is, that is true. She also had a better tagline. or I better. that is Peggy Sue got married because the funny thing about that is is that, like, everybody around her is so cheesy, but, like, she's from, like, the 80s, so she's, yes. like, or around that time period, so she's a little bit more hard-edged, like, dealing with, the, like, this mm -hmm. 1950s shit. So yeah. So she's like, she's like, oh, blow me, you know? Yeah, like, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, Marge Thompson, N not from what, from whom? Come down to the cellar. You know who Freddy Krueger was. He was a filthy child murderer who killed at least 20 kids in the neighborhood, kids we all knew. It drove us crazy. We didn't know who it was, but it was even worse after they caught him. And then Nancy was like, did they put him away? And then Marge was, well, all the lawyers got fat and the judge got famous, but someone forgot to sign the search warrant in the right place, and Kruger was uh, free just like that. A bunch of us parents got together and tracked him down. We found him in an old abandoned boiler room where we used to take, where he used to take his kids. Uh, we took gasoline, poured it all over the place, and made a trail of it out the door. We lit the whole thing up and watched it burn. He's dead now. He's dead because Mommy killed him. And then she reveals Freddy's glove. Um, and Marge Thompson, uh, I even took his knives and then Marge touches Nancy on the knee and then Nancy's like, yeah, uh, you can sleep, you know, um, I put that in there just because that's like the one bit of backstory that sets up the whole franchise yeah. basically, you know, uh, still acted really weird by Ronnie. Like it's, it's way too complacent for what's going on. Like she should have been breaking down in that scene, you know? Yeah. It's 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 like she's sedated again. Like I don't like I know it's just supposed to be booze, but I don't feel like people on she wasn't slurring. It was like somebody who's actually on an opioid, like a narcotic or something. It's just yeah. like yeah, we killed him, Nancy. You know, like my feelings are numb to everything right now. I don't care. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. And then this one's the best in the movie. Glenn trying to get some sleep on the couch alone, but the sounds of Tina and Rod having sex is keeping him up. Morality sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the one part of the movie that he really, really brought on Billy Loomis vibes. Cause that's Billy's whole thing is that like, you know, prior to the reveal that like his mother like left him because of, you know, Sydney's mom, like whoring, throwing her shit around town. Um, 
it's the fact that, you know, Billy throughout the movie is, is constantly cock blocked by Sydney and like, you know, and he's, and he's, you know, like he's got that horny anger about him. And this is the one scene in the movie where Glenn has the same thing. It's like, you know, that could have been me, but Nancy's a prude, so here we are. Selfish son of a bitch. You know what, Billy? We know you were cheating because you have a fucking daughter now. <laughs> true. You very whore. true. <laughs> uh, all right, getting to the movie review. Visuals. Uh, for this budget, this movie looks amazing. Oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> and I would have never, well, I guess when I when it goes to the 80s, I keep forgetting that other movies had higher budgets. Um, so now that I know how low the fucking budget was, yeah, pretty fucking impressed. There's there's some jank in the movie when Freddie's oh, yeah. arms like extend in that one scene with Tina where it's like they stretch out really wide and the way that he moves with them, it, it looks kind of goofy. Um, we, we get a lot of goofy from the Freddie movies, though, even as the budget gets bigger. Fuck, we got a fucking claymation Freddie in the third one, you know? Yeah. I'm uh, not well, here several, to judge. Several times we get a claymation yeah. Freddie in the third one. I'm not here to judge is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I don't mind it. I mean, it, it's got a dream logic to it, which, you know, they can get by with. That's an excuse because, I mean, like the go- the way that the arms move, I mean, you're dealing with different physics. and, and Oh, dreams, yeah, so. for sure. Um. Freddie's makeup. Um, I call him later in the Death Holler review Trudeau, uh, Freddie, um, and and I say that because of the blackface. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's cool in a way because it makes sense. I mean, if he was burned alive, there would yes. be like this the scorch mark, you know, like the soot on his face. But it's it's really weird versus like the later you know versions of him because later it's just like the burn scarred pock marks, and but his skin is you know just you know, regular, but like in this one, there's a lot of black char on his face, which yeah. actually seems more real. It does. In that, in that sense. And as Will Smith said in his song, he comes to me at night when I crawl into bed, he's burnt up like a weenie and his name is Fred. <laughs> <laughs> and he is, he looks like a burnt weenie. I mean, it's an ongoing joke. That's my favorite meme ever. It's like this if this person's like, you know, they, they're sitting there and there's a picture of like a couple, uh, there's a burnt hot dog on a grill and somebody's like, who keeps sending me pictures of these burnt wieners? And then it shows Freddie. Yeah, like, it is. You know, yeah. I love it. I uh, love it. Speaking of, I have to say, it is just too bad that uh, Donnie G is not reviewing movies currently because... I think I downloaded the wrong Freddy Krueger movie. It would have been fucking awesome. Uh, there is so many like variants of Freddy where Freddy is an attractive female. Oh um, God! I mean, it's it's a huge thing. Well, there's so. the one who has the fucking instead of knives on his hand, he's got fucking five dildos. So that oh, would have yeah, been. Yeah, there's that one. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> um. I would say for the budget in this, though, I mean, you know, like the nightmare sequences look pretty cool. Like even whenever they try to do, it's not CGI because it was before CGI, but like some of the fade ins and fade outs oh, yeah. they do look pretty good. And like that practical stuff where they have like the blood gushing out of the bed. Oh you know, my god! Death, yeah. And in the scene where Tina's rolling around the ceiling, oh, it's a plus stuff. Like it, it stands up. They did a really good job, and you can tell. I feel like you can tell, I don't know how long this goes or if it continues for the entire film franchise, but you can almost tell when they're in a dream because it's got the, the, the I guess, camera has more of a, a softer glow. The scene has a softer glow to it. It almost looks angelic. 
for a minute, and then it's like, nah, bitch, you're going to die. Yeah, they especially toward the end of the movie. That yes. was the one source of contention that I have with the visuals. That scene where uh, Marge gets pulled through the window and she looks like a blow-up doll that's deflating <laughs> is like the most hilarious yes. part of the franchise. Yes. It happens. And this isn't a trivia, but that's actually the reason that scene looks so shitty is because it was a very, very last-minute edition. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Wes Craven actually wanted the movie to end on a positive note. No. You know, Nancy had defeated Freddy completely, and she was just going to live her life, you know. And then I, I think that even her friends were back to life at that point. Like, it was all like a bad dream, like she had, you know, recovered from. But the studio was like, no, we want the possibility of a franchise, so make it to where, like, you know, Freddy, uh, you know, pops up again, you know, last minute. So that whole last scene is was a total add-on by the studio. Yeah, and I'm not mad. <laughs> Um, there is, uh, something that has to be mentioned about Freddie's, uh, sweater. Uh, it goes through different changes throughout the series. This one does not have like the green bands around the arms. They're only on the, the stripes are only on the shirt, the, the torso of the shirt. God, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it gets, I mean, it's, it gets changed slightly as you go along, but it's mo- mostly how the face makeup is and in the sweater. But yeah, that's one of them. That's the difference between this and the later Which is ones. hilarious because why do you need to change the sweater? Nobody's noticing the sweater. I mean, not nobody uh, noticed them, but the sweater is a big, obviously it's, 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 it's Freddie. You know it when you see it. Clearly we've seen it in the screen movies, you know, just hanging there. I mean, Okay, yes, we know it's a thing, but, like, why did, if it had never changed, it still would have been a fucking iconic sweater. It would have been. I think they just added the bands to the arms, too, because that that makes even more, like, visual chaos on the sweater, because that's one of the things that's in the trivia, but, like, red and green, uh, I think it was Craven, saw some kind of study saying that those are the two most recognizable colors to humans, and that's the reason, that, and and they're also diametrically opposed as far as like visually. So together, they they can actually they're they're actually colors that we don't like to see together. Even though Christmas is full of red and green, which is hilarious. Yeah, and this but, is a different um, red and green though. It's like a brick red and a olive green, or yeah, yeah. So um, it's it's one of those things where it was chosen for the just the how it makes us feel is like you know evolutionary you know reasons and and they, and I think they punched it up in the later ones by adding the bands to the arms too to kind of be like all right we got all kinds of this yeah. chaos going on interesting okay well there's a, a rhyme a rhyme to the reason I guess yeah um, I'm trying to think visually if there's anything else that I wanted to bring up I mean I, I, I still think the first movie looks great oh it yeah really does. Con- especially considering the budget and you know my husband says it a lot he's like sometimes it's the lower budget ones that they seem to get more creative with because they have to yeah they, they have to we mentioned that in uh, Friday the 13th part 6 um, they had a curmudgeon of a production designer uh, you know or the, the guy who's the finance you know uh, financier for the movie was constantly cutting their budget last second and, and even though they hated him the director actually said that he, he appreciated that fact because they had to get super creative to stay in budget you know he said oh, if yeah. they'd had all the money they had they wouldn't have came up with half the gags they did just because they wouldn't have had to um story it's it's a friggin' good basis for oh, a yeah. 
a, a great one. There's a reason Freddy's like an icon because vengeful, you know, child murder ghost that only can attack you or attacks you while you're sleeping. I mean, that's that's like the worst nightmare for both kids and adults. Like, yeah. I mean, because the parents can't protect their kids, and the kids you you have to sleep. There's no way uh, you can't get away from Freddy at all. Oh yeah, either you're going to die from lack of sleep, which is very possible, or you're going to fucking die from sleeping. Yeah, which, that's, which is that's now your possible. Two options. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anything else you wanted to add about the story as far as that goes? Yeah, just that throughout the franchise, they add a little bit to the story. Some, I mean, as later, I'm sure it'll start to get a little, you know, a little bit much as we go on. But, like, up until part three, they did kind of add a little bit, and I thought it was perfect. So I liked how the story was buildable, too, of some sorts. Yeah, there was just enough uh, vagueness in parts of like Freddy's backstory that they could add stuff in. Yes, uh, the, the the pact with the nightmare demons was okay. It was a, it was an all right addition. Didn't need to be there, but it didn't hurt anything. The one addition that really hurt them though was in part six, where they added the fact that that Freddy had a daughter oh. and that he was actually a family man prior to you know like uh, you know prior to him being burned alive. Like yeah. He, and it doesn't fit. I mean, if you got somebody who's willing to murder children, I mean, I know there's probably been serial killers in the past. Oh, there that, for sure has been. But I, but I don't know if they were. I mean, the way they portray him, he was like the idyllic 1950s like father, and I don't think I don't know that you could be that and go out and kill other children. Like, oh, there are see. quite a few iconic serial killers that were the perfect dad, but they did some fucking sadistic shit to okay, other children. Maybe it's, Maybe it's a thing, but yeah. it, it, there's still parts of it that don't jive with the other canon, and that's part of the reason part six is like, you know, a lot of fans like yeah. least favorite because of the changes they made. Um, I will say as far as the story goes, there are uh, other fans out there. I mean, there's other, it's been like elaborated upon in other media too. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Nathan Thomas Milner, who's like a local, you know, like to this area, Kentucky, he lives in Louisville, the Louisville area. He He's made like some of his own like, you know, movies and like, uh, he's an artist, very good, like artist as it were. Um, but he made like a little fan film, uh, under his label. And I think it's on YouTube. It's under rebel rouser comics. I think is what he had it labeled under, but it was the confessions of Fred Krueger. And it's really well done. It's basically right after Freddie. It, it's, there's a short intro where it shows like Freddie, First coming to Springwood, uh, which is what they, they later revealed. They changed the location later too. They retconned it. It's clearly California in this movie. You see palm trees everywhere. Oh, but yeah. They changed it to Spring, Springwood, Ohio. And so, anyways, there's the scene where Freddy's a hobo that just comes in the town. Um, he like kills the guy that he's staying with, you know, like, and like, you know, as he's building like his knives, he starts like stalking the playgrounds to like, you know, murder these kids and it skips ahead. And the bulk of it, uh, well, the bulk of it is he's been caught and he's being interrogated and and they're trying to fill in his backstory. And it's, and, and, and Nathan is like such a big fan of the Freddy franchise. Cause that's what got him into horror to begin with that. Like, I mean, he, he went through like books that like talked about like, you know, what Freddie was, how it was supposed to have went with his backstory. And he keeps it totally legit according to the old canon before part six comes out. Like, and it's, it's fairly well done actually. So yeah. 
Um, and they even have a scene where like he completely confesses to killing the kids, but then there's like a disturbance where one of the cops where the cops who's interrogating him, uh, hears that his daughter might be missing. And then like, you know, when he rushes out of the room for a second to kind of, you know, to find out what they're, what they mean by that. And then like Fred sets fire basically to the confession tape and they have nothing to go off of, even though they've had, he confessed to everything. Yeah. So. It's 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 pretty well done, but um, but like I said, the story's been elaborated in various different ways, good and bad, as far as going forward. Not as bad as what Michael's was, though. Michael Myers, when we get to that film franchise, <laughs> boy, they fucked that shit up. I mean, you, you, we'll get to that though. Yes. Um, uh, the acting. We've already kind of discussed it. I don't. I know Johnny Depp is like an amazing actor now. Like I, you watch this movie though. And I don't know about you, but I never got that at like, like we talked about like that Jack champion and the new, uh, scream. Mm-hmm. I mean, not revealing anything about him, but like, you can tell he's got potential. Like yes. there's a lot there. The kid is I going never, places. I never got that out of the portrayal of Glenn in this movie. No, like, not I, at all. But I will <laughs> tell you what Johnny Depp had. He had good looks. looks. He had good looks. And so they're like, we're going to fucking make some shit work. Uh, from acting, I got from every single actor in this film, aside from Mr. Kruger himself, uh, typical 80s, low-budget film acting. They didn't it, think that this franchise was going to go anywhere. And that's true. And they and they were hiring a lot of fresh faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Weiss, who plays Tina, is not terrible. She's no. probably the... Of the... Four teenagers. She's probably the standout. Rod's not bad either. I mean, he he he's more of like an after school, like you know, drama, like a PSA type character because like he's more like he's if he anything he's overacting at parts. Yeah. And then uh, the but the but uh, which is good for the franchise. England just knocks it out of the park. Like oh him, yeah, him and, him and Saxon are the two best actors in the entire movie. Um now. Was he in films before this movie? I think he was. Uh, England was, but he wasn't still like he wasn't a huge actor. Yeah, like he this made him into the actor that you know that or that gave him the career. Like he, that's why people seek him out is because of this. Yeah, but but he had acting chops, even playing in and eating a lot. Like I mean, Buck was kind of a one note character, but he acted the shit out of that role. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> Saxon had been in several movies prior to this. He was a seasoned actor, so that that stands to reason. I mean, we we talked about he was in Black Christmas for one, playing a very similar character. I mean, a police detective who's investigating the death. Yeah. So, um, he was kind of playing the type, but he was good at that type. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It's it's the acting from everybody else is you know just I mean it it's 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 serviceable. It's eighties you know low budget acting, but it does, there's no standouts. And then the music, my god, the music oh, in this god. is amazing. Oh my god, it is um, quintessential. Just you hear it and it'll send chills. It, I don't know. I feel like if you're an eighties kid, you hear the music and it'll send chills down your spine. Oh yeah, as soon as you hear those. Just that that little uh, there, there's a couple different like you know instrumentals that are in this movie that as soon as you hear them it's just like oh fuck where's Freddy at you know like yeah it, it, it's totally associated with this franchise it's it's just weird because I have raised a different generation of children where we hear that song and we're like fuck and our children hear it and they're like 
oh, where is, where is he? Like they get excited. <laughs> Freddy's near. Freddy's near. Like you fucking weirdos. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you can't, I mean, we've talked about it before. There's certain, there, there's certain franchises where the music is so iconic that it, that it makes the franchise what it is. And I feel like it, it, the visuals, England's performance and that music is why this movie did is, I mean, that's not taking anything from Craven. The story was good oh, yeah. for what it was, but if those other elements hadn't been there, this, oh, would yeah. been this wouldn't have been shit. series. Um, and that goes to show you that it it, it takes a village, folks, to, <laughs> yeah. to make a movie. <laughs> and to take down a bad man and burn him up like a weenie. <laughs> so he can send you dick pics of that burnt weenie later. Uh, anything else you want to say about the movie before we move on? Uh, it's, I mean, we'll get to our rankings yeah. of the film series later, but it's hard to beat the original oh, in yeah. a lot of franchises. And this one started out super strong. Oh, yeah. It came in like a fucking wrecking ball. So, uh <laughs> <laughs> Good luck to the others as we continue into the series. Um, trivia. So New Line Cinema was saved from bankruptcy by the success of this film, and that's why it's jokingly named The House That Freddie Built. <laughs> that's awesome. Heather Langenkamp's boyfriend at the time of the shooting is credited for creating Freddie's nursery rhyme. Wow. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. Dude, that's, yeah, that's that's surprising. <laughs> All of the boiler room footage in the film was shot in the basement of the Lincoln Heights Jail in Los Angeles, which was condemned shortly after production wrapped due to high levels of asbestos. Oh, wonderful. Let's put our actors over there. (laughs) Uh, In the original script, Freddy was a child molester. However, the decision was made to change him into being a child murderer to avoid accusations of exploiting a series of child molestations in California around the time of production. He was rewritten as a child molester in the 2010 remake starring Jackie Earl Haley. Boo. Uh, the inspiration for the character of Freddy came from several sources in Wes Craven's childhood. Fred Krueger was a schoolmate of his with whom he shared a paper route and who bullied him for years. Wow. Which, if you remember back, that's Vic Miller. The reason that Jason is named Jason is because he knew a fucking piece of shit, you know, kid that was a, you know, a bully and a snitch that named Jason, and that's the reason he named him that. So it's kind of funny that. Which is funny. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if these people know, like, (laughs) like there's a famous Freddy Krueger, and Fred Krueger is like. I didn't bully him, or I didn't mean to bully him, or I'm sorry, or yeah, I fucked him, bullied him. Now look at me. <laughs> made him made him rich. I made him what he was. Yeah. So what are you going to do about yeah. it? Yeah. I inspired him. Stop hitting yourself, <laughs> Um In The Last House on the Left in 72, Craven also used the same experience as inspiration, calling the villain Krug in that one. Oh, my God. <laughs> he re- He was tormented by this kid. Yeah, he really hated this guy. Freddie's burns came from a man with severe burn scars by whom Craven had once been terrified as a child. And Freddie's attire, especially the dirty clothes and hat, was inspired by an alcoholic hobo <laughs> that Craven saw staring at him through the window one day when he was 10 years old. That's fucking creepy. That is creepy. Now, that I understand why that would give a person nightmares. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Wes Craven's original concept for Freddy was uh, considerably more gruesome, with teeth showing through the flesh over the jaw, pus running from the sores, and part of the skull showing through the head. Uh, Makeup artist David B. Miller argued that an actor wouldn't be convincingly made up that way, and a puppet would be hard to film and wouldn't blend well with the live actors, so these ideas were eventually abandoned. I think that was a smart choice. 
Yeah, I mean, and especially the fact that later on, it's like the way that England emotes with the face. He couldn't have actually done that as well. Yeah, if he had even more makeup on top of it. That's true. Uh, it would be take about three hours to get Robert England into his Freddie makeup. Four hours, if you ask him. <laughs> uh, according to Wes, Cra- Wes Craven, Robert England was not the first choice for the role of Fred Krueger. Craven had initially wanted a stuntman to play the part, but upon testing several stuntmen, he realized he needed a real actor. Other ideas were to cast an elderly actor, but he feared he would be too soft for the way that he would have wanted the, the character to act. England eventually got the part by showing up at the audition, and get this, with ash smeared under his eyes to sink them, grease in his hair from a dipstick from underneath <gasps> the hood of his car, and then blinking as little as possible. Oh, my God. He really got into the, yeah. the audition for this. He went in there smelling like dirty motor oil. Gross. <laughs> You can you didn't have anything else to slick your hair with. You decided this at the last minute. He must have decided last minute. Where oh, yeah. He's it? like, what can I do to stand out for this role? Oh, shit. Well, give me some oil. And, you know, just like, ugh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> In the original script, Freddie's famous red and green sweater was red and yellow based upon the colors worn by Plastic Man, who, like Freddie, could change his form. The idea was that whatever Freddie changed into would be yellow and red. Uh, side note, we was talking about earlier about how colors uh, influence how people think and stuff. Yeah. Red and yellow actually make people hungry. That's the reason McDonald's uses oh, that. Oh, shit. Their that makes sense. I mean, fuck, I'm thinking about red and yellow, and I'm thinking about fucking McDonald's french fries and some ketchup. <laughs> However, when Wes Craven uh, read an article in Scientific American in 82 that the two most contrasting colors of the human eye retina were red and green, he decided to alter the colors. Yeah, pretty fucking smart. And talk about bringing science into it. I've heard that was, red is not a a color that customers like to see in customer service, that you should be, I don't know. But I all I know is that um, as a female service advisor talking to someone about automotive, they put all the women in black to make them look, look more dominant at our dealership. And let me tell you, that shit worked. Um, I could see that. And also the reason you don't want red is because in nature, red always signifies poison. That's the way oh, that a creature, even if they're going to, um, you know, try to, you know, like even if they don't have poison, some animals have developed a de- uh, defense mechanism where they're bright red or bright yellow yeah. so that other creatures think that they're poisonous, which is hilarious because, I mean, red lipstick on women, what is that saying about guys? It's like, I like the danger. Come on. You oh, know? yeah. It's like, well, clearly they do. <laughs> fuck with you all day long. Like, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's weird psychology from yeah. evolution. And it fucking works. I, I will tell you that much. The idea behind the glove was a practical one on Wes Craven's part, as he wanted to give the character a unique weapon, but also something that could be made cheaply and wouldn't be difficult to use or transport. At the time, he was studying primal fears embedded in the subconscious of people of all cultures and discovered that one of those fears is attacked by animal claws. Around the same time, he saw that his cat his, he saw his cat unsheathe its claws, and the two concepts merged. Although in the original script, the blades were fishing knives, not steak knives, as in the finished film. Um, this goes on. I mean, there's other there's something else I get into later about how he saw something else that inspired the dream portion of this. But you got to give credit to to Craven. He was sitting there debating the colors scientifically. He was uh, thinking about human fears and the fact yeah. that animal claws are a primal fear that we have. Like he really thought this out. Oh my god! Uh, the words Elm Street are not spoken at all during this movie. Nope. 
Uh, Freddy Krueger was designed by Wes Craven to be the typical silent serial killer, such as Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers. However, in the sequels, Freddy developed a cheeky persona that enabled him to be a black-humored villain. <laughs> At around one hour, seven minutes, there is a scene where Nancy attempts to, attempts to warn Glenn that Freddy is coming after him. She looks down to discover Freddy's mouth and tongue had taken the form of oh, the bottom yeah. half of the phone, which is actually a pretty cool thing. Yes, I love it. Uh, this effect was made with cheap rubber and prosthetics. The effects team also reportedly stated Heather Langenkamp wanted to take the prop home after shooting, which they thought was unusual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, can I have that phone with a tongue that sticks out of the bottom of it that uh, n- n- for research purposes? Yes, for research. You know, the Freddy tongue is definitely iconic. It shows up a few more times. Uh, yes, several versions of it. Uh, the scene where Freddy passes through the wall above Nancy was shot by stretching a piece, uh, a sheet of spandex across a hole in the wall and pressing against it. The shot, Freddy, is played by special effects designer Jim Doyle. Oh, wow. That is a really cool effect, though. It's almost got like a shadow demon yes. thing about it. Another thing, you know, to show how good they did with a, like a minimal budget. Oh, I mean, just yeah. a cheap bit of spandex, and but it looks good. Like, it yeah. actually looks a lot better than some of the late 90s early 2000s stuff that we've covered uh the where they they did similar things but with cgi like that looked like shit you know with it yeah um, <clears throat> in this movie nancy is shown watching Raimi's the evil dead as she struggles to stay awake watching it craven decided to include the scene because Raimi had featured a poster of craven's the hills have eyes in that film uh as a jab to show audiences the movie they're watching is scarier than craven's so, not one to leave, you know, uh, a rivalry untouched. <laughs> uh, in response to Craven's end joke, Raimi then went ahead and had Freddy's glove in the tool shed scene of Evil Dead 2, and then later in Ash versus Evil Dead in honor of his passing. Aww. <laughs> but yeah, Freddy and then uh, and then Craven are like, you know, and the Evil Dead stuff like just keep going back and yeah. forth. And it's funny too because the Necronomicon makes an appearance and Jason goes to hell later, uh, kind of bringing all three of them into the same kind yeah, of universe. Yeah, universe, which is funny. It's like they had like a friendly rivalry going on. <laughs> uh, a few days before the film was to go into general release, the processing lab that had the negative informed New Line that it was be keeping the film because it had not been paid. At the last minute, however, Robert Shea was able to negotiate a deal. Wow. It's like, you want your movie back, bitch? You got to pay us. Damn. <laughs> uh, although the character is credited as Freddy Krueger in the sequels, and it's more well-known by the name, he is credited as Fred Krueger in this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. So, and they, I feel like they keep calling him that even in the second film. Oh, they do. Yeah. yeah. They, he's he's not known till, as Freddy uh, until three and then later, I think. Um, I got a question, though. Do, how much did they have to pay? Okay, so a few days before the film has to go into general release, the processing lab. Okay, processing lab had to get paid. Um, I wonder how much it cost, and like if they negotiate based on budget of the film or projected gross or anything. I, I guess you can't really do projected gross, but like, I wonder what the processing fee was because I I want to say it was probably pennies compared to what most films would be. And this it, film grossed so much. 
it, it would be, but the problem is, is that like literally, I mean, Robert Shea had no money at the point he was making yeah. this. It's well, like, yes, that's, I mean that's the reason it's the house of Freddie bed is it was like he's like I'm rolling the dice. This if this movie doesn't do anything, then we're fucked. You know? Yeah, fifty seven million dollars <laughs> from a less than two million dollar budget is fuck. <laughs> and brought a whole fucking production company back from the brink of fucking uh, going bankrupt. Yep, and then uh, and then they would go on to make, I mean, like all kinds of movies after that. I mean, New Line is accredited with like the uh, Austin Powers movies, the you know the the Lord of the Rings for God's sakes. I mean, it's you know they but they started out here. This is yeah. the you started know. from the bottom. <laughs> Uh, Wes Craven wrote the script and presented it in 81 to try to sell it to major studios, but no one wanted it. Even his friend and business partner, Sean S. Cunningham, who, you know, the who made Friday uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and also helped uh, Craven make The Last House on the Left, wasn't totally convinced it would work uh, as a premise. Craven said that it just flew around for about three years until Robert Shave Newline, uh, who was a distributor, wanted to produce movies, picked it up. Wow. But you did skip one. You skipped the Johnny Depp one about him not feeling confident in his own acting or his own performance. Uh, oh, yeah. Which yeah, uh, we can tell. Yeah. <laughs> we can tell. Yeah, you can tell that Johnny Depp was like so fresh in this movie. That, oh, like, yeah. He just he was just like, I don't know about this. And then and then like years later, he's like, you know, I'm Edward Scissorhands, bitch. You know, like that. Sort oh, of my thing, God. So. I did not. Oh, <laughs> I didn't put those two together. Of course I didn't. Why would I? <laughs> um, Nancy's house has a blue door in this movie, but in all the sequels, it is an iconic red door. Oh, yeah. Uh, in various interviews, Robert England stated that Freddie's walk and mannerisms were inspired by his costume and looking at himself in the mirror. When he put on the fedora, he thought of old gangster movies and decided to give Freddie a swagger akin to a famous gangster movie actor, James Cagney. Oh my and, God. Uh, which is funny because James Cagney, if I remember, I had like a bulbous long nose and it, that, you know, and Freddie's kind of got a more prominent nose too. Yeah. Uh, and because the full glove with real metal knives, as opposed to the stunt glove with the fake knives was so heavy, he found himself unintentionally dropping his right so shoulder due to the weight. And so he equated the stance with a gunslinger who has his pistol and holster on his hip. Yeah. As for the unusual way Freddie walks, he studied his posture and derived the sideways movement from a surfer standing sideways on a surfboard. Makes sense, because like, that's how I feel like he's always standing. Yeah, yeah. He, it's, and, and, and that goes into it, too. I mean, like him adding that little stuff to Freddie also adds to the weird, like, unnatural, you know, way that, you know, or a thing about Freddie that even if you're not picking up on it, like consciously, subconsciously, you're like, this isn't right. You know, he's yeah. not, he's not standing the way a person should. Prior to making the film, Amanda Weiss had never seen a horror movie and Heather Langenkamp had only ever seen burnt offerings in 76. Uh, kind of going back to what we talked about, you know, we've talked about several times about how it's, hilarious that scream queens either don't like horror movies or they've never actually seen them prior to being in these movies i wonder if that's better for the acting aspect like uh it, 
Well, yeah, because you think about it, you take a horror like you know uh, fan. We're so numb to oh, horror yeah. movies that like we couldn't react. I mean, we, we could like if you were a good actor, but it's like one of those things that. Uh, but like in these movies, like some of these like screams that they're getting are real screams, like real fear. Because, oh yeah, like these people are just like I don't like this, you know. <laughs> yeah, I I I feel you. Um. The first was originally supposed to be set in Los Angeles, California. The script mentions the San Fern, Fern, uh, Fernando Valley, uh, a filmed but cut line from the film has a teenager say California is the most high and palmy state man uh, in the classroom scene, and the palm trees are visible in the background of some scenes. The detail was changed for the final cut of the film to make it vague in which city the movie was, which I don't know how vague it is. I mean, you see clearly see those palm trees, but regardless. <laughs> is that just a California thing? Uh, the palm trees. No, I mean well, you can get by with Nevada. saying uh, you can get by with saying it's Florida. There's you know that's several true, there. Yeah. Along okay, the coast, but Florida, Nevada. Uh, I'm trying to think where else, but yeah, that's really about it. But um, the they wanted the town's name or possible location. Uh, they, it was never stated in the movie at any point. The second movie establishes the town's name as Springwood, and then later movies confirm the location as Springwood, Ohio, because they wanted it set in the Midwest. Because all it, you get more, you despite what Hollywood thinks now, catering to the Midwest actually gets the bulk of your moviegoers. Wow, interesting. <laughs> because I mean, that's where a lot of the populations, you know, like you know, that's yeah. going to be consuming these is actually from. Um. Because, I mean, if you think about the other slashers, I mean, uh, Jason is from Haddonfield, Illinois, or I mean, Michael is from Haddonfield, Illinois. They don't really establish, I mean, in real life, uh, Jason, Camp Crystal Lake is in New Jersey, but I don't know that they've ever officially said that because they've, they've changed several times where that one's located. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, of course they said, you know, Freddie in, in Ohio, so they're kind of, you know, kind of this region is where they're keeping those at. And then uh, unofficially, uh, Evil Dead, although it's not really a slasher, is set in Tennessee, so it's you know, <laughs> it's kind of all this little area. Um, this was the second movie produced by New Line Cinema. The first was Alone in the Dark in '82, directed by Jack Shoulder and starring Jack Palance. Um, however, it was given a very limited theatrical release and it performed poorly and received bad reviews. It was released straight to video. As such, this movie was New Line Cinema's first genuine mainstream cinematic venture. And Jack Shoulder, who per, who was the one who directed uh, Alone in the Dark, would go on to direct uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, oh, nice. Revenge. Uh, Heather Langenkamp's favorite of her performances in this is in this movie. Okay. Um, I don't understand that, though, because she does such a better job in Part 3, but she's well, not in it as much in Part 3 either, so. Yeah, and, I mean, it's the house that Fred built, you know? <laughs> She was part of something very iconic, and like I said, it's got to be one of those surprise things where it's like, wow, you know? Yeah, it's one of the, I mean, when you start a franchise like that, it's hard not to at least be, you know, kind of, I mean, unless you're a total asshole, not to be cognizant of it and, uh, you know, give it its due, you know? It's like, this is why I have a career. Yeah. According to Langenkamp, the melting staircase scene was shot using pancake mix, uh, Wes Craven, however, said that it was oatmeal and glue. The fact track on the DVD says it was Bisquick pancake mix. This scene was directed by Robert Shea, who was on set pressuring the film to wrap, and Craven told Shea he should direct it as it was based on a dream Shea himself had once had. In another 
interview, Heather Langkamp added that the mo- mushroom soup was also the ingredients in the staircase mixture. Oh, my God. It looked like pancake mix. So I'm going to yeah. have to agree with her on that because that's exactly what I thought it was. And it, it, But it, it's, it's still a very effective like yeah. little scene as far as, like, giving you that weird nightmare logic of, like, oh, the steps are dissolving. I can't move in them. You know? Yeah. Uh, Wes Craven had helped Sean S. Cunningham by working on a few shots for Friday in 1980. In turn, Cunningham directed a few shots near the end of production on this movie when several units were working at once. Aww. Uh, it's just kind of funny that the two biggest slashers, uh, Freddie and Jason, both are from the two directors who actually roomed together in college. Aww. <laughs> Could have been like those Scream guys at the beginning of Scream 6, except they wanted to make a real-life movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what those characters are based on. That those yeah. movies are so meta. I wouldn't be surprised. To I'm be surprised honest. the other guy's name wasn't Fred. They, but he was wearing the Freddy Krueger sweater. I mean, that is true. I mean, and that might have been like their way of throwing back. I, what I would have done instead of maybe naming them Jason and you know Glenn or whatever. Why they just named them Sean and Wes and like yeah, you know, let the audience go from that. You know, yeah. Uh, Heather Langenkamp beat over 200 actresses for the role of Nancy Thompson. Damn. Among them were Jennifer Grey, Demi Moore, wow. Courtney Cox, wow. Tracy Gold, and Claudia Wells. Um, okay, so Jennifer Grey, I don't know. Um, she's She was a, a good actress, but she was more of a nice girl actress. Well, I guess Nancy is too. Yeah, she, Nancy's probably like the ultimate nice final girl of like all the ones in the movies. Like, yeah, she's, but she gets she fucking builds some balls, and I just can't see Jennifer Grey getting that strong. Demi Moore, yes, I could see that. Courtney Cox, yeah. Um, this was Dancing in the Dark, Courtney Cox. Yes, too, it was like back in the day. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, as for Tracy Gold. Mm, I feel like she was more of a, a look a looker icon back in this time, but Scream Queen? Am I missing something? Um, uh, no, no, not that I'm aware of. I was trying to remember where Claudia Wells, but Claudia yeah. Wells played the original uh, uh, Jennifer in uh, Back to the Future. Like she was Marty's uh, girlfriend in the original uh, yeah. in smoke show with that. So uh, I don't, she, she might've stood out too much as being too pretty to be honest I, with you. Excuse me. That's what I was wondering. So I don't know about the last two, but the first, mm, well, Demi Moore and Courtney Cox, I could see it. Um, yeah, I could see either one of them because they, I mean, especially at the time Courtney Cox was so fresh faced uh, and young, she could have definitely pulled that, that character off and it'd been interesting it's interesting that she would later go on to play the role that she did in another west craven yeah franchise. that's so funny <laughs> um <clears throat> charlie sheen john cusack brad pitt Kiefer sutherland nick cage and c thomas howe were considered for the role of glenn and glenn of johnny depp yeah glenn was okay so uh charlie <laughs> sheen maybe uh john cusack even a young John, because I, I know what young John Cusack looked like. Um, no. Um, Brad Pitt, no. I mean, if I get well, he was they were only going for looks, but I don't know something about him, Johnny Depp, because he was so dark looking himself. Even though he plays a good character, he doesn't play anything bad in here. But like, 
He he had a Billy Loomis look too. Yeah, he, he really did. did, and I think it works. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland could, but I just don't think it would have looked good. I don't know. Kiefer, you needed that look. Kiefer to me has too much of a dark look, and and I say that maybe I mean have going based upon like characters he played at the time because I mean Lost Boys and some of those he had he had more of a you know like uh, like the bad boy look and I and I mean not and Glenn walked the line I think or you know or Johnny Depp's version of it like he was fresh faced enough baby faced enough to where it's like oh I'm just a nice boyfriend but then there was a dark edge to him like you said Kiefer leaned more toward the dark edge to, to me at the time yeah he did I just he was a blonde. Blondie. It's a no for me. Uh, Nick Cage. That's hilarious. That yeah. He... <laughs> I want to see. I want to be. Uh, if I would travel the universes, the multiverse, I want to be in the reality where Nick Cage got cast in this. I want to see what he would have done. Oh, my God. And then see Thomas Howell. He was too baby faced. Yeah. I feel like um, this was like him playing soda pop and you know, the outsiders and, and, you know, stuff like that. So I, I don't see him having the, 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 the edge that Johnny Depp did have to him at yes. the time either. So. And I, that had to be the only thing that Wes saw was just the look alone, because that's really all that Johnny Depp had at this time. It is. It really is. And, um, good on him for seeing it, you know, I mean, Johnny Depp got lucky. Basically, he got the he got the pretty card. He got the you know. Um, the only reason that Charlie Sheen didn't get the role because they, they actually he was the pick uh, was because Robert Shea uh, said that uh, Charlie Sheen wanted more money than they could afford to pay him. Mm, okay, quit being greedy, bitch. Uh, and the main reason that Johnny Depp was chosen was because Wes Craven's daughter thought that he was dreamy and threatened oh. to run away from home if he wasn't cast in the movie. Wow, what a little fucking bratty-ass cunt. <laughs> so there's your reason for why Depp got the role instead of those other ones. I wonder if she ever got to mess with him. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's hilarious. Um some other uh, uh, for the character of Rod, Ralph Macchio and Darren Dalton were considered for the part uh, before Jesus Garcia got it. Oh my god! Uh, Ralph Macchio would have been a weird pick for Rod. Yeah, Ugh, I don't see it. I, I, even now, Ralph Macchio looks too baby faced. I mean, even in his what fifties or whatever age he is now, like if you watch Cobra Kai. He he still looks like too much of a baby face. Oh guy. yeah, Rod Hazu had like a good like I think that's how it's pronounced JSU, but he looks like um he's got that greaser like you know bad boy look to him in the movie, and it fits the character that they were trying to portray. Somebody who's you know the the police could immediately look to him and say clearly you're a bad guy. Look at you, you know you're you know street trash, you know that sort of thing. Yeah, and Ralph could not have pulled that off with the way he looked. Um, hold on one second. Uh, so Jessica Craven, who is Wes Craven's daughter, it, she was 13 years old at the time that she was able to get Johnny Depp in the movie. Uh, but you'll be surprised to know that Nicolas Cage is the one that convinced Johnny Depp to pursue acting and, and, and got him to audition for Nightmare on Elm Street uh, let me see. Obviously, the exposure led to 21 Jump Street, and from there on, teen stardom. Jessica Craven was 13 years old when her father, director Wes Craven, let her sit in on one audition for Nightmare. Her parents were divorced, 
and she was visiting with her dad. That's why she could pull the owl run away. Um, okay, it wasn't glamorous. It was very much like going with dad to the office, of course. That was before either of the Cravens could have known Nightmare was going to be a massive hit. Um, initially, he thought Depp was a poor fit for the kids next door group. Uh, and she had a reaction that made him reconsider. Uh, let me see. So we went home. Oh, he said he looks sickly and pale, and she said he's dreamy. <laughs> oh, my God. That is so funny. 13 years old. <laughs> That's funny. Anyways, moving on. And a Kentucky boy done proud because he is from, like, Louisville area. So there you go. Uh, of course he is. Um, Heather Langenkamp's uh, final audition for the role of Nancy took place on Friday the 13th. Of course. January 1984. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in the scene where Nancy falls asleep in class, the student starts to quote a line from Hamlet. Oh, God, I could be bounded in a nutshell and count myself a king of infinite space were it not that I have bad dreams. This is the start of a theme in later movies to open with the quotes from early tales of horror and tragedy. Oh, from yeah. Like oh, Nietzsche and the Bible. Oh, my God. Edgar Allan Poe is uh, so weird and my daughter's <laughs> into that. Of course she is. Yeah. Um, it's kind of got the... Uh, Tim Burton. Oh, yeah. I feel like you one goes with the other. A popular myth surrounding the film is that David Warner was originally slated to play Freddy Krueger and the makeup tests were done, but Warner had to drop out due to scheduling conflicts. This has been proven false by the filmmakers and by Warner himself in the recent book, Never Sleep Again. I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast and Scream that he was, you know, set to be in one of the films. So I don't know how false it is. I, I feel like they went back and forth on this, this rumor that Warner was going to be Freddy in the original Nightmare movie. So, yeah. Uh, the scene where Glenn uh, lies on the couch and can hear Tina and Rod <laughs> having sex was based on an incident with Wes Craven's own life when he lay on a couch listening to a couple having sex next door. <laughs> uh, get this, Kane Hodder auditioned to play Freddy Krueger. Too buff. And he might not have been at the time, so. Uh, no, I think he was always kind of a bulky guy. Oh, Okay. Uh, he would, of course, later play Jason in the Friday series uh, and very briefly play Freddy's arm and did his laugh at the end of Jason Goes to Hell. Wow. So there you go. Kane Hodder did get to play Freddy, at least in part. Yes, literally. <laughs> Shut up. The uh, basis for the film was inspired by the phenomena uh, Asian death syndrome where people died in the middle of their nightmares. It's also known as Brugada syndrome. Yeah, but, okay, so... Asian death syndrome. <laughs> Is it legally even able to be called that now? Probably not. <laughs> it's from China. 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 But um, yeah. there's a whole, that has to do with the, doesn't that have to do with what we discussed? It was the spirit that you had me discuss when we did, um, Was it, it wasn't the ring, was it? Or was it the other one? Um, the, it, oh, that I, was the Japanese. Been, or, I'm thinking the Japanese one. See, I'm mis- mixing up my cultures. Way to go, Reina. <laughs> well, this doesn't say that it was uh, uh, Chinese. It just, you know, oh, yeah, Asian. That, you know, yeah. Trump, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, because uh, they were saying that that was the spirit, it was a ventral spirit. She kills you while you're sleeping, blah, blah, blah. So, could be very much. Yeah, and that might be why it's called Asian because they were the first ones to really notice it as yes. a thing. Because I'm sure in other cultures it's happened, but in Western it's like, oh, they died peacefully in their sleep. And of course, the person was having a terrible nightmare, and they yeah, <laughs> they're like, no, there was a woman hovering over him, and she was choking him with her long black hair. <laughs> 
This movie bears a stark contrast to its slasher brethren like Halloween and Friday the 13th, which always portray a group of teenagers being terrorized while cut off from any adults and authority figures. Here, the parents are very much a part of the story. Also, on the suggestion of writer-director Wes Craven's daughter, who was annoyed that women in his previous movie Swamp Thing trip and fall all the time while being chased, Craven made the heroine much less vulnerable and clumsy. Aww. So that was actually a wise decision because I think Nancy is yeah. probably one of the best written final girls in that sense. Like she stands up in a way that yeah. a lot of them would later go on to emulate, but she started it. You Which know? is funny because Nancy has a lot of reason to fall and be clumsy. She's literally <laughs> she thrown sleep. obstacles. She's, uh, she's half asleep all the time. She's half asleep. She's got obstacles. I mean, she would have had every excuse to be. Uh, an early concept of the art depicted Freddie wearing a long trench coat inspired by a homeless man Wes Craven saw as a child all, uh, through a window. Freddie wouldn't wear a trench coat in the series, though, until New Nightmare in 1994. Okay, damn. Uh, Tina mentions to Nancy that a big earthquake may be coming, which foreshadows New Nightmare in, in 94, which uh, there are several earthquakes. <laughs> And I don't know, is is that a legit thing? Because I remember uh, when I was watching this, I was going to ask you this. It's like, because she mentioned to her, she's like, maybe there's an earthquake going to happen because people start having weird dreams right before they... Is uh, That seems like that would be a legit thing, like that people would somehow subconsciously sense that something's going to happen. But I don't know if that's actually a thing that happens out there or not. Um, Yes, and um, I can confirm that I do have weird dreams but I usually, I don't feel the earthquakes. I mean, literally, I joke all the time that I've had farts that shook the bed more than any of the earthquakes, you know. But um, I don't know if it's how my dogs are responding or whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I can confirm that usually the week of that we have a quotation mark earthquake, uh, my dreams are off the Richter scale. But I'm and we did have uh, a rather big earthquake in 1994. I don't, God, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it was Los Angeles because we were supposed to go to Disneyland and we didn't get to go. So San Fernando Valley, which is where this movie was allegedly supposed to take place. Yep, or at least originally. Yes. <laughs> uh, good to know. I, I thought that was interesting. I was like, well, that makes sense if that's actually a thing, but I, I didn't know if that was, you know something actually happened oh yeah and as a dreamer i mean and i never i've never related it now i'm gonna be like great you know another thing to add to my what did i dream about that and why did i dream about that you know but usually uh, i have active dreams anyway so i don't know it's kind of it's hard for me to pinpoint but sometimes as of lately i haven't had dreams at all which is nice sometimes uh I always have dreams. Like, yeah. I'm just one of those people. I, I, the only times that I've never, and it's been super weird, is the, the, the times when I've been, like, you know, medically, you know, put to sleep or whatever for, like, procedures or something. Uh, and then, like, the, the lack of time, you know, yes. like in between fucks with me so much. It's just like, okay, I had no, like, I, you know, I was at this point in time, and now I'm at this point in time, and there's no in between what, the yes what ha- time travel oh yeah. my god i mean i personally like the um the waking up with i don't know because i don't i don't sleep good now because of my dreams which sucks so i am sleep deprived um 
Ronnie Blakely played a country superstar in Nashville, 1975, several years before playing Nancy's mother. Connie Britton, who played the same role, although the character's name was altered in Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, uh, or playing Nancy's mother in the remake, later went on to play a country superstar in the unrelated television series called Nashville. That's hella funny. That's just weird. That's weird, like, circumstance. And Connie, I thought it was Connie Brighton. I'm not sure, but Connie Britton, Connie Brighton, whatever. Uh, I think she's a redhead. She is, yes. Yeah, and she's good looking. Yeah, she... She's got a... In, uh, uh, you know, that's one thing that kills me in American Horror Story, Death, uh, or Murder House, yes. like the first season. It's like, dude, look who you're married. Like, seriously? Yeah. She's like a mature woman, too, but she's just, she's got a look, and it's a natural look. It's not a, you know. Um, if she's had work done, it's so good that it doesn't mm-hmm. stand out. Oh, no, not at all. She's definitely, uh, you can tell she's aging, but she's just. I don't know. She's got this look to her. She doesn't have to look like a sex pop, but she just is. And I'm like, oh, you know, fuck you. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, not looking your age, in the scene where Nancy has been up for days and looks in a mirror saying, God, I look 20 years old, it was actually an inside joke because Heather Langenkamp was really 20 years old when she okay. did this movie. Okay, she can be forgiven. <laughs> kind of, because it implies that at 20 years old, she looked like a teenager, which she did. Um, she did, yes. So she can fuck... Th- Right the fuck off. Uh, Johnny Depp's next high-profile role was playing the title character in Tim Burton's impressionistic fairy tale, uh, Edward Scissorhands, uh, in which the character also had sharp instruments attached to his fingers. And was a little <laughs> uh, unhinged as well, so yes. at times. Um, uh, Paramount was at one point interested in, in distributing the movie, which would have paid off the film's debts all at once. However, during screening for the head head of Paramount, the film's ending was incomplete, so the editor's assistant uh, had to rush it to the screening, which had to be paused at the most inopportune moment. Uh, Paramount eventually passed on the film, so the new line did the distributing themselves. Uh, too bad, Paramount. Uh, Paramount did get Wes Craven's other popular franchise, though, Scream. So okay. They, they they did win in the end, at least, on one part of it. You know, they're fair-weather friends. They said no when they were low, and yes when they were up in the world. So, I don't like it. <laughs> uh, the scene where Freddie is said, and the funny thing is, too, is that Paramount sold the rights to Friday to New Line later on. So oh, my weird. God. These two companies they got this weird. Yeah. I mean, I guess... You know, if you're keeping each other alive, uh, it it works. <laughs> uh, Freddy Krueger has less than seven minutes of screen time in this entire movie. Yeah. And that goes to show you how good Robert England is yes. because he's barely in the movie, but that's what you remember from the movie. Yeah. Uh, this, the scene where Freddy is set on fire, chases Nancy to the top of the stairs, and then falls back down and starts back up again was all shot in one take. Wow. With several cameras and was the most elaborate fire scene ever filmed up to that time period. Uh, stuntman Anthony Ciceri was uh, uh, was supposed to only run up the stairs and then lay down and be extinguished, but he improvised the falling and ran back up again. He won best stunt of the year for that scene. As he should have. Yeah, I mean... The dude was legit on fire. Yes. It's all over him in that oh, yeah. scene. So it's scary, like, how much. I don't know how they deal with that. Like, I'd be freaking out. So Yeah, I mean, you you got people ready to extinguish you at any moment, and you probably have a safe word. <laughs> I wonder if it's ouch. <laughs> it's banana. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
In a theme that goes along with Wes Craven, over 500 gallons of fake blood were used during the filming of this movie. Mostly in one specific scene. One scene. Yes. Yes. Uh, Robert England cut himself the first time he tried on the infamous Freddy glove. Way to go, loser. <laughs> uh, in the original script, the movie ended happily. Nancy kills Kruger by ceasing to believe in him and then awakens to discover that everything that happened in the movie was an elongated nightmare. She then says goodbye to her mother and drives to school with her friends. However, Robert Shea wanted a twist ending that would leave the way open for sequels. He suggested fooling the audience into thinking Kruger had been defeated, only to reveal that the final scene itself is an actual nightmare. And then end the film with Freddie driving the car away with the house and the kids screaming. Uh, from the house of the kids screaming. Uh, Wes Craven hated this ending, and ultimately four endings were filmed. Craven's happy ending, Shay's Freddy ending, and two versions of a compromise uh, ending Craven and Shay had reached, uh, of a compromise they had reached, in which Nancy's mother is pulled back into the house, but the audience is slightly ambiguous as to what is going on. Craven has always maintained that the film would have been, uh, should have had the happy ending he originally wrote. No, it shouldn't have, one. Okay. Two, he hated that scene where Freddy's driving away with the kids in the car, but he uses it again in one of his other movies. So don't be a hypocrite. <laughs> Three, it worked having, even though it was, maybe he just didn't like the way the ending looked because it looked like a blow up doll being sucked into a house. But you know what? It fucking worked. Okay. I mean, people are still talking about it for yes. good or ill. I mean, they still are. Uh, in that scene, the top of the convertible came down faster and harder than expected, and so the expression from the actors and actresses is real, where yep. they're like really scared because they weren't expecting it to drop like that. Uh, we love a real, a real <laughs> impression or expression, I should say. <laughs> and it's probably the best acting that Johnny Depp does in the whole movie. <laughs> yes, he had a lot to learn. Uh, in a deleted scene featured on the laser disc and VHS from Anchor Bay, we learned that Nancy and many of her friends from the neighborhood weren't always only children. They had a brother or sister before they were killed by Freddy during the scene in the basement just before Nancy's mother reveals she has Freddy's glove. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's... Would make I sense mean, because you find, cause when I was thinking about this scene and Nancy's mom's like, well, we went after him. I was like, well, why did you go after him? Was... Nancy born at the time was there an older sibling is you know what was she what what's the what's the deal you're just trying to get rid of somebody or did he do something to you because me personally I would just want to keep my child safe from that I probably wouldn't join in on the vigilante justice yeah um, if that was your if your child hadn't been involved but there was the threat to your child yes you know? it's a, and I get that I maybe some parents would want to just with the threat alone and that's fine um, but if he had actually done something to my kid or taken one of my children from me, absolutely, I would want to be a part of that. Yeah, I agree. I think it makes more sense if Freddie had already taken these parents, other uh, like older kids, and like it's the younger ones that are left to you know deal with these the you know nightmares and everything. Uh, the scene where Nancy is attacked by Freddie in the bathtub was shot using a bottomless tub, which was put in a bathroom set that had been built over a swimming pool. During the underwater sequence, Langenkamp was replaced with stuntwoman Christina Johnson, and Langenkamp spent 12 hours in the bath during filming. That is so retarded. Why? What is the meaning of having her spend 12 hours just to get a fucking 30-second scene? you got to suffer for your craft, I guess. I I don't know. What the hell? (laughs) 
I mean, you know, we talked about Janet Lee and the the infamous psycho bathtub scene that took like three days of shooting. But yeah, I, but we also discussed that that might have been, you know, Hitchcock saying, um, "I think we need a tighter shot." You yeah, know, it's like okay, yeah, mm-hmm. a tighter shot of what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, an omen that Johnny Depp's character is about to die occurs as he is lying in bed listening to this radio. The broadcaster announces it's midnight and you're listening to station KRGR, oh, God. which is Kruger without the vowels. Uh, Shay, Robert Shay, the, is the, the, the voice of the film's producer and owner of New Line Scenic cinema can be heard twice heard twice during the film uh as the newsreader uh reporting on tina's death and also as the station announcer who says you're listening to krgr so that's robert shay wow uh the scene where marge talks to nancy about kruger's death and shows her his gloves was extended not only would her mother inform her that uh, it was originally extended not only would her mother inform her that elm street teeners were not only children but she uh were not uh, you know, th- that they had other kids that were killed, but she would also elaborate on what happened after uh, the mistrial. The scene in the script was extended, and Marge goes into detail by saying that Fred did not die instantly in the fire, just like a demon surfacing from hell. A burning and frantic Kruger burst from his basement as the flames consumed him. He threatened the parents and swore revenge. As Marge confesses to Nancy, it was actually she who took a gun and shot Fred, delivering the coup de grace. Wow. So... That and and I don't know. I think that would have been more in, uh, interesting in its own right too, because that you know Freddie already is playing on the the trope of the myth of like a vengeful spirit, mm-hmm. and now it would be almost like you know how you would think of like a vengeful uh, witch ghost yes. or something. It's like you know the Sanderson sisters. The one last thing they say before they you know burn to death. It's yeah, like, you'll pay for this. You know, uh, the scene of Tina. Thrashing across the ceiling was shot using a rotating room set, uh, which would slowly was slowly spun to allow her to roll in position. Because there wasn't any money for mechanical hydraulics, the rolling had to be done by hand, and everything inside, props, camera, lighting, had to be carefully balanced. The camera was bolted to the wall, and the cameraman strapped into a chair beside wow. it. Wow which turned in tandem with the room for the two shots where Rod and Tina are reach for each other as Tina's on the ceiling. She is really lying on the floor and Garcia is upside down with his hair pasted down to stay flat. Uh, the effect was so good that just before shooting began, Weiss got a bad case of vertigo. Wow. Uh, filming that. Um, and, that just goes to show you how much work they put into the yeah. budget, you know, uh, for the blood geyser sequence, uh, where Glenn is killed. The filmmakers used the same revolving room set that was used for Tina's death. They had put the set so that it was upside down and attached to the camera. So that it looked like the room was right side up. And then they poured gallons of red water. Uh, the red, the, the, the red came from food coloring, normal movie blood couldn't create the right effect for the geyser, uh, into the room by pumping it down through the bed. Yeah. That's awesome. The room itself was to be turned uh, as the blood flowed, but it was turned in the wrong direction. So instead of the blood gushing out of the bed and then splashing on the walls, it gushed out of the bed and onto the room through the open door where the camera and equipment were with exposed <laughs> wires and electrical socks. <gasps> the power on the set went out, but no one was injured. On the commentary, Wes Craven remarks that the room spinning the wrong way was like a Ferris wheel from hell, <laughs> and, the, and the blood was water mixed with food coloring. The scene was partly inspired by the elevator scene in The Shining from 1980. Oh, my God. I mean, that's awesome. That's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> Probably really scary because they're like, fuck, we already don't have a good budget, you know? And we just destroyed uh, probably a camera in the process of filming this. Yeah. Son of a bitch. 
At around one hour and 11 minutes, when Nancy's trying to bring Freddie to reality, she tells her dad to break the door down in 20 minutes. At that point, it's 20 minutes literally until the movie ends. Oh, wow. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, during the scene where Nancy is running toward her house with Freddie right behind her, Heather Langenkamp actually cut her foot and required stitches. Uh, when viewing this scene, you can clearly see her limping as she enters her house. This wasn't acting, but rather a genuine reaction to her injury. If you look closely, you can see the bandage she's wearing on the last shot of the goose there sequence, which takes place just moments later. Damn. Uh, Robert England says he based Freddy Krueger on serial killers Ted Bundy and Dennis Rader, uh, the BTK uh, killer. But Dennis Rader was definitely one of the good dad killers. Okay, so there you go. Uh, and in the, and in his room, Glenn has a stuffed vulture doll just behind his bed that looks down on him, an omen of his impending fate since vultures are known to feast on dead animals. Yeah. Um, Death Holler Awards. What do we think about Nancy? Uh, ultimate final girl. I mean, if if they have Freddy Krueger games like they have Friday the Thirteenth games, she'd be the fucking uh. She'd be the the final guy, if you will. For sure. And and there's several reasons for that. I mean, the fact that she does that whole home alone, like, you know, uh, booby trap thing toward the end of the movie, like she, that's a trope now associated with Final Girls is that they take whatever, you know, like gardening tools, whatever, you know, at their disposal to set traps for the killer, you know, because they can't physically overpower them. And I feel like she epitomized that trope more than any other Final Girl. Yeah. Uh, because she's literally going through the house setting up ways to trap him as he, you know, like, you know, things that'll fly down and stab him, cut him, whatever, yeah. while she's running away from him. Fuck it. She is the original Home Alone child. <laughs> um, and the fact that she's doing this on next to no sleep, like, she is probably the most tortured in a psychological sense. Oh, Yeah. Of any final girl out there. I mean. I mean, she's like, I'm surprised. Well, uh, maybe in later movies. I don't know. But like, I'm surprised her slash sleep deprived life has not affected her real life where she's actually killing somebody innocent thinking that she's getting Freddy. There's a there's a potential for that. Yes. There's yes. a story uh, for sure. Yeah. That I mean that she's seeing things and she's hallucinating in real life. And, yeah. Yeah, there, there's definitely a story there. Um, what about the OG Freddy slash Trudeau Freddy? I mean, Freddy. They, you know, they really did make him an OG. Well, he made himself an OG, literally, uh, with his mannerisms and how he created the character of Freddy Krueger. And he's just, I mean, what can we say but we love Freddy? I mean, he he's iconic. Like, yeah. I mean, he's... He's up there. I mean, he'll always be up there because, I mean, he, you know, like just there's a charisma about him that he shouldn't even have. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, and, but he, but it's there. He did that shit on purpose. The, that's actually the detriment to the series because you can recast the stuntman that plays Michael. You can recast the stuntman that plays Jason. Um, it's going to be hard to get somebody to play Chucky that doesn't have Brad Dorf's voice. He's not around to voice it because yeah. it's not the same as evidenced by the remake that had Mark Hamill in the role. Um, but Freddie, that's the reason they've never been able to reboot the series because if you don't have, and, and he's up there in age too, and that makes it different. But yeah. if you, if you don't have Robert England, I mean, he's the, he's Freddie. I mean, you know, yeah. he's, 
and people don't want somebody else taking on that role that can't that can't match what he's done with it. Uh, how did the actor do when they did a remake? Um, that that's the most hated thing by the people who hate the remake is because of, he went more of a. Uh, the route that I mean, Jackie Earl, Haley, Jackie Earl Haley done his own thing in because he didn't want to try to retread, you know, what Robert England had done. Yeah, and I, he's commendable for doing that. But like the way that he portrays it is not charismatic at all. It's like you legitimately hate the the dude. Yeah, like, and Noah did say that he was a lot more savage. Yes, yes. I mean, it's it's more. Like he's going that route with it, like the angry, you know, uh, like I'm going to get my revenge type thing, as opposed to Freddie, who's playing playing a game with everybody yeah. who's involved, and so hmm. it, it's it's tough. I mean, yeah. it he's both the blessing and the curse of the series in the sense that you can't move on without him. Yeah, you know, or at least it's going to be tough. Uh, but uh, this is weird. They are currently talking about getting the Stranger Things writers to make a new, uh, with the help of Mike Flanagan, no less, to do a new Nightmare movie. And hmm. that combination sounds so fucking awesome yeah. that I can't imagine. It does. It sounds almost too good to be true, but, like, what are they going to do with the Freddy character? I know my husband liked the Freddy Krueger. He did, he did the newer one. He was like, um, because it was England- different. England says he would come back for that movie if they oh go my forward with it. God. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Well, we'll see. But the problem with that is, is if he only comes back for one more movie, then where do you go from there? Even if they blow it out of the water, they it, which re- they would with that combination. It, yeah. I mean, the good news is with Freddy, you might not be able to copy the mannerisms, but you might. You might get an actor that can do it. Um, and then there's somewhere out there. And the other good news is that then with the makeup, you could definitely fake it, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, they could do that. Uh, I just, I, horror fans, unfortunately are very closed minded when it comes to like, you know, uh, any kind of changes to, and, and I understand that cause there's been several that have been ruined and there's a reason for that, but they're very close minded when it comes to like reboots of, or like changes to like beloved icons. Cause we're horror fans are very traditionalist. They, they like the, the rules to be set in place. They like to, you know, for it to have nostalgia to it. And whenever there's big changes like that, it's, it's, it totally goes against everything that they stand for. So it's going to be rough to convince them to be on board with anything. They do change that way. Oh, and clearly we notice very simple changes, like when I noticed Jason's butt wasn't the same size as the previous Jason. <laughs> that was a lot more junk in that trunk. Yeah, like what the fuck? What are these flapjacks over here? <laughs> uh, best kill, hands down. Oh, it's Glenn. 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 Yeah. yeah, that that fucking blood geyser. Ugh, it was beautiful. Um, and it, and it's such a refreshing change after watching the screen movies, which are literally just stabs for the most part, <laughs> to see something like Glenn's death. Yes. Uh, the best scream, uh, it's probably Nancy. Nancy. Yeah. Yeah. It's ultimate scream queen, literally. Yeah. She's she got the scream down. She's got the, uh, she's, she's, you know, attacking the villain, like, you know, the classic scream queen trope. I mean, she's, there's a reason her name is up there with all the rest. Yes. I have my favorite for part two and I hope it's the same as yours. Oh, it's for sure. The same one. There's no way around yes. part two. Uh, best Freddie quote. I'm your boyfriend now. Yes. Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Freddie. Oh, Frederick. <laughs> 
Oh, Frederick Krueger. Uh, best side character, I guess, Glenn. I mean, I, there's there's not really good. Uh, there, the, the, the cast is so tight, and, and which is a good thing in this one, that there's really not a lot of side characters in the film. Yeah. Uh, um, there isn't. Yeah, it's a, it's a first time film and it was a low budget film, so you're really not gonna get that. I mean, I could see the argument for Rod if somebody wanted to say he was because he has more personality than Glenn, but yeah. you know, it's it's a toss up. I yeah. mean, amongst those two. Uh, how annoying is Doom Prophet? I don't. The only one I can think of for this movie is Tina because she sees Freddy first and she keeps trying to get other people to admit they've seen him and oh. then nobody else will. Yeah, then then Tina for sure. Uh, and she's not really annoying. Like she's got a legit reason. She's like, are you guys having the same fucking nightmares that I'm having? And it's like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, bitch. I don't dream, you know, like that <laughs> shit. So, <laughs> um, and then dumbest moment is Glenn not listening to Nancy and fucking falling asleep on his, his waterbed. Oh my God. KRGR radio. <laughs> he wasn't listening to KRGR before he went to bed. Okay. <laughs> Um, no, he was listening. To, uh, he was listening to FRDY. Okay, I think that's hilarious though that he was listening to music on his his uh, portable or well his his boombox. Yeah, but also watching a mini TV on yes. top that was completely separate from from that. That's probably the most eighty thing, eighties yes. thing I've ever seen in a movie. Isn't it though? <laughs> And of course, he had that classic in in this movie. He had that classic cut off uh, uh, football jersey that you know Tatum or, or Rose McGowan would wear later in Scream. You know that's, yeah. that's where that came from. Oh my god! Um, I think that's that wraps it up for the original. Uh, you can join us next for part two, uh, which is a very very queer sequel, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>